0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fidoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I sit down with Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest and Kansas City Sports Network. Matt, thanks so much for joining us, and I really appreciate you coming in because, coming on, because the last time you were with us, you know, that was last year, Joe, when you were taking that RV trip. So, you know, a big part of the appeal coming on Believe in Chiefs is, you know, is Joe, the former player who caught touchdown passes. So, Matt, Matt was stuck with me, and then, you know, this was the peak of the pandemic, so we're doing it Zoom, and, you know, there's only so much bandwidth. We just had, like, a bad Wi-Fi connection, and, you know, we were editing and stuff, but so some of the answers were like, Mahomes, as it kind of dragged out. So, Matt, thank you so much after going through all that to give us another shot here, on the
1: Chiefs. Absolutely. I mean, it's always great catch, catching up with you guys. And the funny thing is, when you reached out to me the other day to do this, my first thought was, I don't know if I've got a chance to talk to Joe since the Eric Fisher catch and release, you know, touchdown.
2: Right. You know. I mean, I mean that,
1: that was. You know. <laughs> you're the first thing I thought of.
2: Yeah. You know, Eric Fisher he only scores touchdowns. We're, we're just we're we're calling it the Chris Carter Club. that's uh, That's right we only score touchdowns you know that is right (laughs) that was the last time we talked that was uh yeah it was great god obviously it was a great moment right for the chiefs line you know hit the whole i mean catch and release he's doing the you know Doing the beer chug and you know <laughs> this was a uh, was classic classic moment for an offensive lineman. Let me tell that,
1: you uh, exactly that is just a great offensive lineman moment. You gotta <laughs> you gotta you gotta <laughs> savor those when they happen.
0: Those sure, because so cool too for the the catch and leads the smoked sausage for uh, Anthony. Right. I love how they're so clever about not only the play call but the names too.
2: Yeah, because Matt, when I was growing up, you know, and and I got relegated. Well, I say relegated like it was a bad thing. You know, playing offensive line, I went home and told my dad. You know, I said, Pops, I'm, I'm going to play offensive line. I was only a little kid. It was, you know, like seven, eight years old doing Pop Warner. And he said, well, he said, that's great, son. You're part of the team. And I said, I know, but when am I going to get my name called on the loudspeaker? He said, oh, only when you get a penalty. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. This is what it's going to be like for the next 20 years. <laughs> little did he know, Joe. Did exactly. Know. Exactly.
0: Uh, we're obviously going to talk a lot about the OTAs here. Um, you know, during the, the last uh, presser on – uh, last week on Thursday, Matt, you actually asked a great question to Patrick Mahomes and Joe. I wanted to get your take on it. That uh, Creed Humphrey is, you know, the center and he snaps left-handed. Matt uh, astutely asked Patrick, you know, is that a big deal? Is that a transition? And Patrick, you know, shrugged it off. Oh, I'm, I'm already used to it. But Joe, as a guy who's you played center, you've even done long snapping in the NFL. Is it is that a thing? Like for quarterbacks, do they have to adjust?
2: I mean, it can be, it can be because, you know, when the ball comes up, it, it, it looks like it's coming up, you know, what I would call, I don't know, let's call it parallel to the ground or perpendicular to the center's legs. Like it's coming up perfectly even, you know, from end to end into the quarterback's hands. I know a lot of our listeners are, are listening on, on podcasts, maybe not seeing the video, but you know, it doesn't actually come up perfectly end to end into the quarterback's hand. It does come up on a slight angle when you, when you hike it, you know, up, you know, into, into your legs, if you're under center. Now, if you're in the shotgun, I can't imagine other than maybe, you know, the spiral of the ball might come back a little bit, a little bit differently. Um, But I do know that from a long snapping perspective, you know, it did, it did change things and, you know, in the way that the ball spins right? So the ball is actually spinning in the reverse direction than a punter or a holder would be used to getting the ball. More concerned about it on, on the field goals because of the laces and the speed at which a ball can come back. I think a punter would be able to adjust pretty quickly to a left-handed long snapper. Um, but you know that, that seven, eight-yard snap for a, a snapper on the uh, extra points and field goals that's a, that is a little bit of a different spin and the laces are going to come back a little bit differently. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some subtle nuances. So Matt hats off to you for, for truly asking that question because who would think, right? Who would think? And I know that Patrick said he's getting used to it and, and he's kind of used to it already, but definitely a subtle little thing that you'd have to get used to, especially in the, you know, the high, uh, you know, uh, you know, the high perfection area of, of the snap.
1: Well, I think, you know, Patrick's probably like most quarterbacks. That Hey, as long as the the ball's within reach, it's in the same spot where he wants it. I mean, it's not going to be the same all the time. You know that. You want to be as close to perfect as you can. And I'll take it as word that, you know, yeah, you get a couple of snaps. And even if the rotation's a little bit different, even if the angle is a little bit different. And I'm guessing the same thing you, Joe. I mean, yeah, the shotgun snaps, probably a little bit different than just taking him directly under center. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bigger thing too, is that to me is that this is gonna be the first time that Mahomes has worked with a, a center that young.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean,
1: in his NFL career, he's had veterans, you know, mm-hmm. under center for him, whether it was Mitch Morse, you know, even, even some of the backups, Jordan Devy played a couple of games. That's a veteran guy,
0: a veteran for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah so, you know, I, there's going to be some, you know, chemistry development communication. that's going to have to go on there between the center and the quarterback. And I, I, there's no reason to believe that. I think there's any concern there because Creed Humphrey seems like a very high IQ football player, and, and Holmes has certainly been around the block a few times now. But that's going to be a new experience for him. So I'm I'm curious to see how it's going to develop, and you know if there are going to be any hiccups, especially once you get to training camp, and it's really real for the O line guys.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I was, you know, we had Tim Gronerhart on uh, not too long ago, and you know, here's the guy, you know, Chiefs Ring of Fame. Hall of Famer, you know, one of the, one of the better centers to play in that, you know, 90s to early 2000 stretch. And he didn't even jump right in as a starter, right? I mean, here's a guy that played, you know, decade and and more all pro level. And, you know, they gave him a little bit of a chance under Mike Webster to learn a little bit about the speed of the game, you know, Notre Dame national champion. I mean, you know, he had all the pedigree and everything to take a step in. And, you know, even even a player like Tim Grunhard, um, you know, was at, at that center position with somebody who needed just that extra little mentorship, right? That extra little bit of time to adjust to the speed of the game uh, at center. So it will be interesting to see how fast Creed can make that adjustment um, based on, you know, what's going to happen and and what people are going to be trying to throw at the Chiefs, right? Because that's what they do. Everybody throws the kitchen sink at, you know, trying to get Patrick out of his game. So I I think it's really, this is great dialogue uh, because it's going to be, it's at the core. It's at the center, no pun intended. It's at the center (laughs) of what this Chiefs team is trying to do, right? And in, in rebuilding this line and making sure that the same thing doesn't happen in the Super Bowl that happened last year.
0: Isn't that nuts, man? The Chiefs went from Mike Webster, an all-timer, Hall of Famer, to then Tim Grumhard, a Chiefs Hall of Famer. I mean, talk about, wow! Two two legends back to back. Now for a word from our sponsor. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We're here with Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest and the KC Sports Network. And Matt, I, I am really excited to learn more about the KC Sports Network. Sounds awesome. And we're gonna get into that a little bit later. Um, but first, what is your your main kind of takeaway two weeks into the OTA uh, almost two and a half weeks now your your main takeaway that you've kind of observed or maybe even just uh, you know something interesting you learned from speaking with the players and coaches.
1: yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Um, you know certainly that the you know the biggest changes this team's going through we talked about it's the offensive line it's mm-hmm. it's how quickly that group can really get comfortable together. And you know, and OTAs are probably a terrible judge of that because the only thing you can judge during OTAs is probably just the the chemistry as far as the guys getting together in the locker room. Because you you know, Joe, I mean, there's there's no work that's going on out there for the offensive and defensive lines. I mean, yeah, you've got meetings and techniques, but uh, especially with the changes that Andy Reid has done with OTAs over the years, it's a passing camp. You know, it's for receivers and for defensive backs and and. Uh, The linemen on both sides are kind of just incidental to the process. I mean, so it's hard to really tell. But right now you're hearing all the right things. Uh, I will say this one thing that definitely came up last week during our discussions with the coaches, um, and I think is probably really underrated, is the addition of Ken Flagel on the defensive side of the ball. That's an extremely, you know, experienced coach that the chiefs are putting on that defensive side with speedy's Mc- Spagnolo. magnolo and obviously he's a guy that goes a long way back with both spags and andy reed so he's not a newcomer to any of this and you know at this point in his career i, I don't know how much the- that ken wants to be involved but hearing last week he-, he wants to i think really be involved in just trying to figure out how he can make spags life a little bit easier um you know being able to you know delegate some things to him He's listed as the outside linebackers coach, and you can certainly see that as many years as he's spent in the NFL coaching linebackers, hey, he's a great voice to have, you know, when it comes to, to Willie Gay and to Nick Bolton, and even more so in that maybe he can even help out the veteran guys while Matt House is working more with those two guys one-on-one. Um, and I think Ken Flagell could actually be a really underrated addition to this coaching staff. Um, just based on some of the things that maybe he can pick up, you know, take off the of Sp- uh, Spagnuolo's plate, things that he can help out with. And you just, you know, you add a veteran to that group already. I mean, I think it's just going to make them all a little bit better.
2: Hey, Matt, I wanted to ask you, you you brought up a great point. You, you, you mentioned the word chemistry. And I wanted to see what you think from the inside, right? You spend a lot of time around the team. You're on the inside. What? how do you feel the chemistry is this year so far it's early i know it's early uh, but it's not that early it's june we're going to you know training camp's just around the corner um, about you know you know they win the super bowl and then it was run it back right bring the core you know at one point before ldt and in covid and all that stuff happened you know what was it? 20 of 22 starters i mean some outrageous 21 to 22 starters or whatever that were going to be back obviously i know we lost Uh, DuVernay Tardif to, you know, to opting out. But like, is it it, do you sense a difference in this chemistry? Is this a new team? Is this a team that they're building on that nucleus? That's they're expanding? Like, what are your thoughts on chemistry? Because we know how important that is to success, especially in the future of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting because, you know, it really plays into, to me, what the players who are coming in, what they sense that the expectations are for them. And, you know, and even the confidence and expectations, I think of this group as a whole has, has changed over the last three seasons. You know, before the Super Bowl win, this was a team that, you know, that locker room felt that they could win. They knew their expectation was to compete and win football games. But I don't know if the expectation was there universally in that locker room to say, we're ready to compete for a Super Bowl every single year. Now, you're hearing from the rookies who are coming in, that's what you're hearing. You know, it, It's not about competing for AFC championships. It's not about winning football games. They understand this, these are Super Bowl expectations in, in this team every single year. And that's what I'm hearing, at least from the newcomers, both the veterans and the rookies, is that they get that. You know, the the confidence and expectations for this team, I think, are higher than they were a couple of years ago. And I think you're sensing that with the players. And and certainly at this point, as far as just, you know, this group getting along, I think that's always been a, you know, a criteria that, that Brett Veach has really put into things is, you know, making sure that they get the right 53, that they get players who, you know, fit in well. If they don't fit in well, then you move on. Um, if they're guys that are good football players, but, you know, you just don't think they can fit in with your team, you don't even put them on the board. So I think they've done a pretty good job with that because you don't see I, – I, I mean, the last couple of seasons – and last year was hard to judge with COVID and everything, but you haven't the last couple of years seen really any internal issues with this team. You've seen a really good locker room. I think you see it on the field. I mean, I'm trying to even remember the last time that we even saw a training camp skirmish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been a few years, and um, but yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think that part of it is certainly that the expectations of this team have risen, and they have really the players have really done a good job of stressing on the new guys that come in that you know what if you were with another team before and you know you were happy within ten ball games that's not enough here you know if you were in college and you were just you know happy having a good game for yourself no it's it doesn't matter if we don't win a Super Bowl it doesn't matter.
2: That's right, awesome. Great,
0: That's great to hear. Yeah, great stuff there. Uh, you know, Matt, you, you're talking about uh, the coaching staff and and the new coaches uh, brought along to help co- to help coach Spags. Something interesting Coach Spags said was he kind of alluded to the fact that there could be more cornerback help on the way. And it is a good position group uh, with Ward and Sneed showed so much last year, but it's right now a pretty thin position group. Do you think he was? alluding to the fact that Breland might come back and we know he signed with the the Vikings. Or do you think there's something else? What do you make of that? What what he said in the press conference, uh, I guess it was uh, last week when he, when he said that.
1: Yeah. It's hard to tell if he was it was wish casting or maybe (laughs) sending a message or that he and Brett Veach are on the same page here, but you hey you look at that roster in the cornerback room, and the one thing that just jumps at it to you is that there's just not a ton of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a lot of guys that I think that they they think highly of, and some guys who particularly in some small sample sizes have played really well. I mean, you look at the numbers, and and you look at the film. I mean, you know, Rashad Fenton had a nice season last year. Charverius Ward has played you know dependably for a couple of seasons for you. Snape was fantastic in a limited role. Um, but all of those guys and on down the list are going to be asked to do different things this year. Legere Sneed is going to be asked to be a full-time player, probably going inside and outside, you know, so that's a big step up. Ward is, is honestly, I mean, he's had, you know, some veteran guys like Breeland to lean on as the leader of that group. He's not the leader. I mean, he's the guy with the most snaps under his belt in that room. He's going to be able to show some leadership uh Fenton is probably also going to see a larger role and that just goes on down the list you know after that you, you know the Chiefs really hope that they have something in DeAndre Baker and that they can get something out of Mike Hughes but once again I mean those are both you know at this point crossing your fingers a bit right. with Baker down. coming off the injury and you know with, with Hughes being kind of a maybe a, a reclamation project to a degree um, so I don't think there's any doubt I mean you look at this they would love to bring some veteran help in there. I'm still kind of curious why it didn't work out with Bashad Breland for this season, because he certainly seemed to be want to be back. Uh, it seemed all along that if, if the chiefs wanted him, there wasn't really anything holding him back. And I don't think that contract tells me that, but I would still be stunned if we get the training camp. And maybe there's not another veteran name uh, that gets added to this group. I don't think they're looking necessarily for a starter, but I, I think they definitely want some depth, somebody who can come in there and provide some leadership and, and step in if needed, if they
2: get some injuries. Any, any Anything from like just going on the inside, I mean, the real inside, not just the players in the locker room, but anything on the inside, anything to make of all of these personnel moves and all the director moves and anything, are you hearing any scuttlebutt on, you know, what, was behind some of those or anything that, you know, fans should be aware of from that perspective, Matt?
1: Yeah, you know, it's curious because the one thing about this this Chiefs front office that's, that's really odd is that it hasn't been rated yet. I mean, especially, you know, considering some of the guys that are in there that have great reputations around the league. And I know this, that, you know, I think Brett Veach was even surprised that he didn't lose a couple of guys this year to some jobs and that's the I mean a great thing that I think that Veach probably has picked up from Andy Reid because Andy Reid's never you know been shy about trying to promote his coaches to get new get the next job he's never you know been a guy that's going to hold anybody back once they're ready he's fine pushing them out of the nest to say hey you know if you can move up the ladder we need to get you there and we've seen some of that you know the Chiefs made a big effort if you know this year they put all of those guys you know Bradway, Ryan Poles, uh Barganzi, all these guys that are really their, you know, top four or five of t- talent evaluators, um, they put them on Zooms during the draft, which normally we get the area scouts. You mm-hmm. know, this year they put the personnel execs. And a reason for that was, you know, Brad Beach is trying to raise their profile. I mean he mm-hmm. wants them to get that experience because he knows that when they are GMs or whether they're assistant GMs or whatever the case may be, they need that that tool. I mean they probably needed a little bit of that on tape even. You know, to show what they can do. So, I I think a little bit of it is certainly they're rewarding guys who have done the good job. You know, who performed for them for a couple of Super Bowl teams. Um, some of it, you know, certainly you promise guys you know promotions if you want to make sure you keep them, and so that they mm-hmm. don't move to another team. Um, but I think some of these promotions were certainly even just to raise the profile of these guys, yeah. so that you know maybe they can get jobs. Because I I don't think that as much as Brett Veach would love to keep this group together. I think he's got a couple of guys that he thinks would be really good GMs in this league, and he yeah. wants to help him out.
2: Yeah, well, that's great. Thank you for that insight. That's great because, you know, we all know that a lot of times what happens on the inside affects what happens on the outside, and and those moves are important to what the product that ends up out on the field. So thank you. That's that's great insight.
0: And really interesting what you said that it is surprising that the front office hasn't been rated more. And, you know, that actually kind of goes down. I'm We're all very surprised our coaching staff hasn't been rated. Uh, more well of course we're all shocked Eric Bien doesn't have a head coaching job, but he even Coach Spags, I thought might the other guy, I think sometimes seen, I think Mike Kafka, um, who's been so such a whiz as the quarterback coach, passing game coordinator, and he has that northwestern background, Joe, you know.
2: Of course. The- well <laughs> Jeff and and of course, you know, as, as Irma Bombeck used to always say in, in in the title of her book, and my dad used to tell me all the time, the grass is always greener over a septic tank. You know, so <laughs> maybe these coaches know something we don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And here they are in this incredible environment in Kansas city football town, great place to live, great place to raise a family, you know, be a, active member of the community and to win football and to be, you know, Hey, listen you, you jump over that fence and the grass looks really, really green. And then sometimes you figure out why it's so green (laughs) because you're standing in a septic tank. So, you know, it's, I I think that's probably more a testament to the type of environment that that whole organization starting at the top with the Hunt family drives all the way down and makes them not want to leave.
0: Totally. Well, Matt, tell us a little bit about uh, the Casey sports network here that you're now uh, affiliated with. How, uh, tell us a little bit about what it's about. You've got some really big names, including yourself, and kind of how you became involved and how they kind of approached you for this new exciting opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a new addition to what I'm doing. In addition to Chiefs Digest, and uh, yeah, the Kansas City Sports Network is a startup that's part of uh, Let It Fly Media that has really got it started in golf and doing a lot of production videos there, but has really been expanding to other sports and doing some incredible, you know, work and and videography. But they're also getting into reporting and getting into news. So uh, that's what KC Sports Network is. It's the brainchild of uh, B.J. Kissel, who used to be the Chiefs reporter for Kansas City Chiefs and Chiefs.com. Uh, he's put together an incredible group. Um, there's some, by uh, beginning of July, we're going to start having daily podcasts, in addition to the great one that you guys do and other people out there. Um, but yeah, we've got uh, Kent Swanson, Craig Stout, uh, Matt Lane, do a podcast together. They're they're great guys. Uh, just had the first real podcast from Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito last week. That was a, that was a lot of fun. And uh, made me think of you, Joe, because especially those offensive linemen this time of year, because they were just reminded me just how much offensive linemen hate OTAs.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, you know, it was like a beauty contest, you know, and, and none of, and none of us were winning it because we weren't beauty. And uh, you know, but no, I just, I love that you got all those linemen working in, in the network, which is great. So that, that was, that was super cool to see, uh, to see you getting, getting, you know, content and, and thoughts from, from, from people in the trenches where, where, where we all know it really all happens. That so. <laughs> that is right. I mean, and th- those
1: are two good good guys to listen to, and it's uh, uh, been a lot of fun. Uh, it's an incredible group. Hopefully, we'll be able to bring some content that's missing and do things a little bit differently. That's our goal: trying to be a little bit outside the box, and uh, but really just give the uh, give cheese fans the the news that they need, the news that they want, um, without maybe you know some of the nonsense. We're just trying to to give them the meat and potatoes of cheese news and coverage.
0: Awesome, that's great. I. I I encourage all our listeners out there to to check it out because some big names—not not only Matt, but he mentioned the two former Chiefs players, and and then a, a bunch of people we know from you know Olathe Pride days and from Chiefs days. So really cool stuff there, uh, Joe. When you were out gallivanting on your rv trip it was just matt and i on the last spot we we're struggling through zooms
2: gallivanting you- gallivanting in a rented rv is probably not the right term jeff but i'll let we'll leave we'll leave it at that
0: <laughs> gallivanting maybe when you when you stopped off you yeah yeah you know, yeah, you yeah stopped the rv and you're gallivanting <laughs> on the uh, fields <laughs> after stop. uh matt was giving some predictions for the season and you really nailed it you said like you expected like a 15 and 1 or 14 14- In two season, which is I'll take it, (laughs) (laughs) which is really about what they have. I mean, they're fourteen and two, uh, but you know, the one game with all the backups. So, and they'll give us maybe one. We're a ways away from the season, but like one, whether it's a uh, a win total or just kind of one prediction uh, for the for the season. I know a lot can change.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot can change. But I tell you what, I keep looking at this team, this roster, and even that schedule and i think it just shapes up incredibly well for them i mean i'm going through there and i'm just i'm trying to circle three games that i think they can lose and honestly i mean i think that they'd lose three games it's going to be a shock i mean there's a couple of contests certainly that are tough but i think things really shape up well honestly the the one game that i circle that i think is probably a loss is just having to go to los angeles in december on four days rest i was thinking uh, that too. if the chargers are even a 500 mm-hmm. team that should be a really tough battle because those those Thursday night contests are, are just really tough. Um, but, you know, even with the, the the way that the schedule shakes out, as tough as it is early, Andy Reid's teams are just so good early in the season, especially the first four or five weeks of the season. They're just ahead of everybody else. And if they start out the, that way this year, I mean, you look on down the schedule, I, I think there's some teams that are going to come back to the pack. I mean, I don't think that the, the Steelers are going to be what they probably were a season ago. I think there was a little bit of smoke and mirrors there with that record. Um, their toughest games honestly are front loaded. And if the chiefs are, are, are up to the task early. Yeah. That Buffalo game after that, I I think things really get fairly favorable for them. So I'm going to go 14 and three is my, my floor. I mean, I could, if injuries come along, obviously that can change, but I think this is again, I think it's 14 and three, 15 and two kind of team
2: wow so so that's great prediction but so odd Sounds to hear so weird, that right? 15 and two like what <laughs> yeah oh, that's i have to keep i have to keep you, like pinching myself to say make sure you get that right <laughs> are you counting the first game of the playoffs like what are you talking about <laughs> like that doesn't make it it's just we're so it is so uh you know it's so emblazoned on us that that whole 16 game schedule and to hear that's just crazy but that's i that thank you man for that i, I think you're, you're spot on i I, I, I totally agree with you, Jeff. I'm sure you, you probably feel the same. We've talked about that around that same same thought. Health, of course, the biggest contingency. Yeah, totally, always, especially always. with
0: that 17 game season. Yeah, I, and I I think you make a great point. I I kind of mentally circled that Chargers game. I think they're going to be a, a tough opponent anyhow. And Justin Herbert had such a good rookie year, but on that short rest, the other game I I think is actually a, a one to watch. Could be kind of sneaky. Is Washington um they have a really good defense Fitzpatrick if if you get good fits that they're a dangerous team you also could you could get bad fits but if you get Fitz magic that could actually be a, a scary <laughs> opponent but yeah I'm, I'm thinking kind of 14 and three as well that's kind of what I'm thinking and
1: correct me if I'm wrong because that's that's my what I think is the really the three four toughest game stretch of the season because that's in between games at with Tennessee and Buffalo right mm-hmm. they're kind of going on the road I mean to me that's the only trap game on the schedule you know, where they've got two really tough games before and after, and then you're going on the road and, you know, to Washington on that night. I mean, yeah, I think that could be a trickier game than expected. But, again, I mean, the Chiefs are the superior team. I, I'd be surprised if they get tripped up there. But you come in with a C performance on a night like that, things can happen.
2: And, Matt, not to focus on on the other teams, because, you know, we always, always want to know what's going on on the inside here with the Chiefs, but do you think any of the teams in the AFC West or – any team you see down the road, non-AFC West, that the Chiefs would be looking at maybe in the playoffs, do, do you think any of them did anything like far outpacing what the Chiefs have done in the offseason or given the talent that they've had? Have you have you seen any major improvements from anybody else worth noting? Yeah, you know, I, it's, it's curious because I'm sure not sure what the pluses and minuses that,
1: you know, there's really a team that I see that I think really made that leap. I mean, if anything, I think we're seeing – some of the teams believing that, you know, hey, they're on the ascension, you know, that they're just going to continue to get better. And, I, you know, and, and Buffalo and Cleveland, I think, are in that category where, you know, I think they both made a couple of, you know, key additions that they needed to make. But there's nothing that just screams to me that it's like, OK, well, that's on a different level, even with Tennessee, which, you know, with the addition of, of Julio Jones is a marquee addition. And, and you look at it on paper and you think, OK, that could be a real problem. Don't forget, forget, they lost Arthur Smith as right. their offensive coordinator. And that guy has done miracles the last couple of seasons with that offense. No offense to the talent that's there, but he's gotten more out of him than you can possibly expect. And so I don't know how much of Julio Jones' addition offsets the loss of, of Smith, because I think that the team that could step back this year.
0: And Johnny Smith, too, speaking of the Smiths. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be a fun game. We were talking about schedules. The Titans, Washington back-to-back. That's why I thought Washington mm-hmm. might be a sleeper. But, uh, yeah, great stuff there, Matt. And, hey, thanks for joining the show here. And, again, just uh, if you want to check out more of Mass coverage, you can find them on Chiefs Diet at just New uh, Kansas City Sports Network, which, again, I recommend you to uh, check out. And if you enjoyed this show, which is presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.